This episode is sponsored by Podgo. We use Podgo to monetize all of our podcasts and get paid within 24 hours. So if you're a podcast, want to get paid, be sure to check out Podgo. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. That's Podgo dot C-O. And be sure to enter our name in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. See you guys in the episode. It's the language of the universe. But I don't understand it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray, and we welcome you to episode number 55, where today we are going to be talking about integrals integral calculus i think this is a big one you know we've been mentioning this for uh for some time you know i think we had an episode on derivatives so i think this was kind of this had to come this had to come sometime Mm -hmm. this was this was quite anticipated we did do our episode called the big math which i don't know why we called it that but you know we meant to just say calculus yeah (laughs) and we essentially we just covered differential calculus more or more or less right like we did limits talked about rate of change mm-hmm. and uh, obviously there is a whole other side to calculus which is actually <clears throat> like it's not like an other side per se because it's highly connected mm-hmm. to differential calculus but it's integral calculus which is essentially differential calculus backwards it's literally and, called um, the anti-derivative, right? So I think yes. that's also a, a, always like a nice way to think about it. Because it's yeah, the yeah. So when, when you just like going over it briefly, when you're doing a derivative, you're taking a derivative. Let's say you just have a single variable function, for example, x squared. You take a derivative and then you get a new function that tells you the rate of change, the instantaneous rate of change at any point on your original function, right? But what happens when you have an operation that reverses that? So let's say you start with the function 2x and you reverse differentiate and you get x squared. What does that Mm -hmm. even signify, Mm -hmm. right? We're going to answer those questions Mm -hmm. in a little bit after we get over uh our little introduction segments yeah i think uh we have some no because the interesting thing about integral calculus is that a lot of people find it a lot harder than differential calculus and it objectively it it is it is i mean it It completely just it simply is but i think in a lot of like applications and i say this especially because we're looking at integral calculus right now in our math courses but the applications of integral calculus are like quite prominent in real world. Like, obviously, I'm not saying like, you know, like a construction worker is going to be using integral calculus in his day to day life. I'm saying like, obviously, for a person, this like integral calculus is important. The point I'm trying to make 
it's as important. I, That's like, exactly more, what I was ju- just trying to say. It's not more that important di- like than... Differential calculus, yeah. you know, can get understandings of maximums and, you know, local extremums and understanding how things are related in terms of, like, slopes and gradients and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then integral calculus, what we're going to get into, it, like, tells you something very different about the function itself, but still gives you a good understanding of, you know, the two variables, three variables, or whatever that you're dealing with. So it gives yeah, you a so good idea of what's happening between the variables as well. I was thinking maybe for our listeners who haven't taken calculus at all. True. Should this maybe we can go over just like real quick, actually like derivatives and things like that. So essentially, okay. like this is assuming you know what like x squared looks like. The graph of mm-hmm. f of x equals mm-hmm. x squared. For example, when you take the rate of change, the instantaneous rate of change at any point, it's like you're drawing a tangent line that is uh, that represents the slope of that line represents your rate of change. And so if you actually take a derivative and you set the derivative equal to zero, you're going to find all the points where the tangent line to the graph is just horizontal, has a rate of change of zero. And why is that important, you might ask. Well, if your function is, is you know, curvy, goes up, down, up, down, you know, whatever. Um, the points that are going to be the maximums and the minimums, sometimes global maximums, sometimes local max- maximums, will always have derivative zero, right? Because if you're increasing and then later on you're decreasing at some point, you will have an instantaneous moment where you are not increasing nor decreasing. Completely zero, basically. Yeah, exactly. and so that would be your maximum. Mm-hmm. And then the, mm-hmm. the reverse, like if you're decreasing and then later you're increasing, mm-hmm. there has to be a moment in between where you reach a minimum. And then by, by setting the derivative equal to zero, it's kind of like a hack, I'd say. Because before we actually took calculus, this was like a mystery to us, right? Um, like in our funks in our functions course, we were we had to graph functions, right? Yeah. But I remember in I don't know how it worked for you, but in in my school or in my math class, essentially all we had to do was find the roots of the function, or if it was like a rational function, then we had to find like the asymptotes and all that, and then just draw it approximately. Right. So well, yeah, poly- I mean, before we knew any calculus, yeah, like, that yeah. was the only thing that we could do because we but, couldn't like take derivatives yet. So, yeah, but it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, of course. It's interesting how like as a math student, they're like, OK, you find the intercepts and then you just kind of you just kind of draw it however you mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you get to you get to the next semester where you learn calculus. And then there's like an actual procedure to fix those unknowns that we just ignored before and that procedure in my opinion is very satisfying it's a very satisfying procedure because it always works and you know like talking about like real life examples like i was i think we did i definitely remember me mentioning this example in the big math like imagine like you have a profit function of a business i just love this example (laughs) with many variables and you have you add them up in some fraction and some weighting and they net to some total profit function like mm-hmm. you would want to know the maximum of that profit function yeah. as a business owner or whatever. And that's just a mathematical fact that can be solved very, very simply using 
like differential mm-hmm. calculus. So like that's where mm. derivatives play a very big part in you can kind of say real life, but yeah, you can use it for sure. Yeah, and and this this topic might be a little bit advanced, um, but I, I think like with a little bit of visualization, it's it's very satisfying. How if your profit function depends on two variables, for example, let's say like the price of um, with this, yeah, the, or let's say the amount of material okay. you're using for let's say the classic example is a box right where like the lid is made out of a certain material mm-hmm. and the walls are made mm-hmm. out of a different material that all have different prices and so your your function is going to depend so in that case you would quantities. try to minimize the cost exactly, exactly. so, so yeah. now when you're trying to find the minimum right i was talking about single variable functions so all you have to do mm-hmm. is you set the the derivative equal to zero and you find the minimum. But when you're when you have two independent That's variables, interesting. right? And you output like just this is let's say R2 to R. So mm-hmm. you have two independent variables mm-hmm. and then one dependent variable. Um, you you still want to know where the minimums and the maximums are because that's obviously still a valid question. And so now we get into partial derivatives. Mm-hmm which just have to do with um, the rate of change in certain directions. So for example, if I were to fix the value of y, then I can only look along x and say, what is the rate of change along x? Or, you know, if I take the partial derivative with with respect to y, I fix x and then I just look along y. And the cool part about this is um, I know maybe... Some of our listeners will obviously have seen this, the, the upside down triangle called NABLA. That is, it, it's, a, it's a differential operator. It's a vector, essentially, that you can do, like, you, you, can, you can apply it to a function, you can dot product it into a function, and you can also cross product it into a It's basically a an operator, but, so like, yeah. Yeah. But that'll be, I think we'll, we'll definitely cover those. Okay, also, those like, I'm just imagining right now, like, we've already totally gotten into the episode without, like, having yeah. any of our introductory segments, like you even said, after the introduction, and then we just got into it. Okay, but one second. Yeah. I, I was, I was just going to say, yeah, we're going to talk about, actually, we'll, we'll, we'll make a, a, a follow-up episode on differential calculus in multi- variable situations. I mean we kind of did cover <laughs> some of that in the big math episode so I don't like, think it, so I mean we did talk about because see the interesting thing about multivariable calculus is that now in this profit function with like two variables you have to look at well remember in the one single variable case we were looking at oh when is this derivative zero so in the two variable case you have to look at well when are both derivatives zero but well with multivariable calculus there are a lot of these interesting caveats that can occur where one of them is a maximum and one of them is a minimum. And that technically yeah. isn't a maximum exactly. or a minimum of the but function. So there are a lot definitely... of these interesting things that happen when we add one more dimension. Especially we can definitely when we make an, an, an entire episode just talking about gradients, talking about uh, curl, divergence, Lagrange, Lagrange multipliers, mm-hmm. um, critical points what are those called the um the, f- diff- the forms what are those called 
like the indefinite form. Oh, indefinite, positive, definite, like this. Yeah, like that. what is that called? Critical quadratic forms? forms? Yeah, quadratic, quadratic forms. Form, yeah. The quadratic That's form. Right. That's an interesting thing those. to get into, but yeah, like it does require yeah. a little bit of a little bit of history, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Before we get into it, because I'm actually yeah. <laughs> very excited to get into it, because we already kind of yeah. did get into the episode, but I do want to officially get into the episode, but before that, the introduction. So for the segment of the week, we have the comment of the week. Um uh Parker said we mentioned her before, and I think we did as well. But I'm not entirely sure. I kind of forgot. But we have Shreya here with a comment of the week where she says, I follow you guys on Spotify, Instagram, and subscribed on YouTube with notifications on everywhere. (laughs) Yes, I'm obsessed. So I was just kind of giving the same energy that I'm assuming she was writing this with. So thank you, Shreya. (laughs) Thank you, Shreya, for this wonderful comment. comment. Make sure to leave a comment under this episode mm-hmm. to get featured as the comment of the week Absolutely. in the following week's episode and also to follow us on spotify apple youtube instagram wherever it is you are uh, you are mm-hmm. essentially so um, yeah definitely check out our youtube though like i think our youtube i mean it's it's not a pri- i mean obviously like our spotify like our audio is like one whole section of the podcast but like you know like right now, especially like we're putting a considerable amount of effort into the YouTube videos, like into like the thumbnails, the clips and stuff like that. I really think the clips are really cool. So like, I mean, just just check it out if you guys want. And if you guys are following us on Instagram, then you probably already know all the the stream of clips that always come out <laughs> because all of the YouTube ones go on Instagram, too. For sure. So, yeah. So just uh, check us out anywhere. But also, yeah, we are very, very close, essentially already there oh at ninety thousand downloads ninety thousand that's amazing that's insane that we just got ten thousand more ten thousand yeah. more for the big 100 that's, that's right. pretty that's insane right. that's pretty insane also on youtube 450 subscribers thank nice. you so much nice nice to our youtube We're getting there. viewers We're getting there. and six thousand seven hundred and fifty spotify Ooh. followers thank you so much Ooh um insane. yeah keep on uh keep on listening yeah and watching tune in keep tuning um in. okay we can get into this integral calculus mm-hmm. and so first thing first thing that we learned before going into integration was actually infimums and supremums Ooh, aka extrema or actually no extrema is, is minimums yeah. and max yeah extrema is minimum and maximum this, these are yeah. not extrema these are just uh mm-hmm. what are these but anyways are these like the, are these like a i think it's just the because inf- it's, it's like a property of any set yeah like a set will have a supremum will have an infimum mm-hmm. I mean, yeah I don't and know just what to really be called, I guess. just to be explicit mm-hmm. the infimum is the highest lower bound and the supremum is the lowest upper bound okay that would be so, so for confusing example, if i just heard that for the first time yeah <laughs> but here's an example okay so if you have an interval let's say this is an open interval so the endpoints aren't included right and then if you're like any number that is that comes before the interval starting is a lower bound because you can say that okay let's say my interval is zero to one 
not including endpoints, I can say, okay, minus two is below every single element in that interval. So it bounds the interval from below. But there's actually only one number that is the highest lower bound, and that is zero. Because zero is less than every element in the set, and even if you go a tiny infinitesimal step uh, higher than zero, it is no longer going to be an infimal. Mm -hmm. That's just how, uh, like, the open interval kind of, uh, like, a characteristic of it, mm -hmm. right? And the same thing on the other side, right? Like, when you're talking about the supremum, like, that's basically, like, the, the upper bound mm -hmm. of that open interval basically bounds it from the from the top and describing it as the least upper bound right like the smallest possible upper bound of that set taking in all, all numbers taking into consideration so we have these two definitions supremum and now infimum mm -hmm. that tell us some interesting things about integrals well well actually it doesn't not quite there yet we kind of also have to get into like rectangular <laughs> areas Partition, like actually. Well, I don't think we're going to talk about the multivariable case today. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe, much, maybe, maybe we won't get enough cover. time, but maybe we can like touch on it because there are like some really yeah. useful applications of multivariable integrals. Yeah. And I think, in my opinion, I think the applications of the integral actually become useful in multivariable calculus. Because in single variable calculus, you're like, okay, I can get this area, but only for like mathematical reasonings. You know, like it's very important in statistics, for example. Like if you guys, you know, like in a probability function, you're always integrating things. So it's very important. But in like real life for like surface area, volumes of like crazy, like manifolds. Oh, I shouldn't use that word, but crazy surfaces, like all those kind of things can be solved using multivariable integrals. So maybe we won't get into it, but it's an interesting thing to, I think, like, you know, just... Yeah, I think you mean like surface area. Yeah, like surface. You just said like that's what I said. you said surfaces can be can be solved using integrals, but like no, no, no like surface area. Really oh yeah, sorry, yeah. I meant surface area can yeah, also yeah. obviously like surface area, volume, all that stuff, yeah. and higher and higher dimensions can be solved using multivariable yeah. integrals. So this will actually make sense in about five minutes, but I do have to mention what partitions are okay? okay let's hear it so we're just going to work with intervals right okay you have an interval let's always take the classic zero to one okay and a partition right i be i believe <laughs> I, I i believe a partition is a is set wrong. of points <laughs> it's a set of points right that are all contained inside your interval and it has to contain the endpoints of your interval or no technically mm -hmm. the supremum and infimum because the endpoints might not be contained that's but anyways right. yeah um, because yeah no 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 that's right yeah the, because that's if it's right. an open interval at like one then one won't yeah be. yeah you're right you're right yeah you're right. that's right so it has to contain the the, the supremum the infimum and then th there is the trivial partition which is actually just the, the supremum and the infimum, mm -hmm. which just separates your inter your interval into the interval itself. But usually we're interested in nicer, mm -hmm. more useful partitions. Mm -hmm. And it's just a set of points that you can separate your interval in. So let's say there's like, there's one point at 0 0.5, then you partitioned your interval into two segments. Mm -hmm. Boom. So there basically, okay, basically, I think we are getting really ahead of ourselves without actually explaining really anything about the 
what the integral actually really is. So like, again, the, the reasoning behind all of this, like why we're partitioning all this stuff is because what the integral well represents is, well, in, in, in differentiation, we have the slope of the curve or of the graph. Let's say we're talking about a single variable. We're talking about the slope of the curve. In yeah, this integral, might have been useful to mention earlier. Sorry? This might have been useful to mention right, earlier. Right, right. I, mean I mean, that's what I'm mentioning it now. So at least, at yeah. least like a quick, a quick recap. Integrals, on the other hand, represent an area under a certain interval. A weighted area. A weighted area. That's a good way to put it. Because in derivatives, you can find a derivative and you're supposed to find a derivative at certain points on the curve. But in integrals, an integral under one point makes zero sense because you have to find the area of an actual interval. Now, here's the problem. What happens when the curve is all weird? Like the same example with if we have a straight line with um, like a linear equation to take a derivative is very easy because it's the equation of the line. Y equals MX plus B. What's the derivative? M. Like it's the equation of the line. But when we, but when we get to X squared, X cubed, X to the four, we have to start using these things called derivatives. So similarly, when we have more complicated things than constant functions and simply lines, where we can just, you know, take the area manually of like a trapezoid or a triangle or just a rectangle, because that's very easy. What happens when we have like a weird curve, right? And mm -hmm. that is where the process of integration becomes useful. And the reason for us partitioning this interval is because sometimes there can be some really weird things that the curve does in that interval. It can go up, down, sideways, left, right. And then it could end up at the at the end point. Basically, it can do anything is the point that I'm trying to make. Wait, what, are you talking about the graph? Yeah, yeah. So or... like, like what, what I'm trying to say is the graph can like the between the endpoints, it can do whatever it wants. So us, the reason of us taking okay. these partitions is so that like ultimately we can take almost infinite partitions such yeah, that we no, can the get name very... of the game. Sorry. The name of the game is chopping. Yeah, and I mean that's estimating. what I'm saying. We're trying to chop it into infinitesimal uh, widths. I think there's These a infinitesimal very rectangles. There's an important visual that it has to be mentioned. It's that if you have the area under a graph, if you like chop up the interval underneath the graph, and then what you do is you just pick a point that is like pick a point inside that interval and then you have like f of that point so the the height of that point multiplied by the width of your of your partition and that is going to give you an area but the thing is that it's going to be like very off from the actual area obviously depending so, on the curve though it depends yeah, on the curve if it's just like a flat it, it curve, might it might actually be exactly i mean if it's a flat curve it, like if it's constant it would be the area that's right but if yeah. it's like going haywire around that point there can be various things right so the the name of the game right now is to make the partitions finer and finer and so your rectangles get thinner and thinner but obviously you'll have more rectangles and then you take the limit, which we talked about limits in our previous episode. Um, yeah, you take the limit as essentially the length or the width of your little partitions goes to zero. And then suddenly you have 
like a very smooth, like infinitely, like it's it's rough, but it's infinitely not rough, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then you get a really good, well, it's a, it's a really good approximation, but in the limit, it becomes equal to the actual area. And the reason why I said weighted area earlier is because obviously in the real world, area is positive you can't have negative area um in the integral world um if the area under the curve is above the graph or above the x-axis under the graph uh it's going to be positive area but if the function goes negative under the x-axis that area is going to count as uh like negative area which doesn't really make sense but that's just how it works. And also, you can actually calculate the, um, like if you wanna actually find a positive value for the area under the curve, that's doable, right? Because you just take the absolute value of your function mm -hmm. and then you, you know, find the area. But that's also like mainly in like real world examples, but also even in real world examples, like you can still have the curve going underneath the graph like as long as like i guess the net area still remains positive which has happened in like you know like when you're dealing with you know like motion of cars and stuff in grade 11 and you're taking the area under these boxed graphs and stuff and you're saying oh the net area is still positive so it's so we're good so it still depends on like the net idea but again like that that understanding of the integral is quite fundamental because like you understand that taking these infinitesimal changes can you know react to a better understanding and obviously as that infinitesimal change almost goes to zero again hinting at the limit we get that perfect smooth curve as you were describing and interestingly enough and can't can't have mentioned this more i keep mentioning this any chance i get integrals were invented before derivatives or at least that's how newton did it so newton actually invented integrals when he was i i believe he was trying to um, kind of analyze the motion of a falling object. And he took the area or he devised a way to calculate the total area under a projectile's graph, I guess. And oh. that was, I guess, the first use of calculus or <laughs> integral calculus. And this guy was just, this guy was just quarantining at home. That's pretty I'm impressive. Just make integral calculus, <laughs> you know, but anyway. Not bad. Yeah. If you do want to learn more about Newton, we have a history of physics episode on newton slash richard feynman I think. yes yeah that was our yeah. first history of physics episode that was really cool that was a really cool episode history of physics coming soon though oh. episode three coming soon you know why and we should definitely mention this if you follow us on instagram uh try to come to our igtv like or not i keep saying igtv like our instagram live sessions like we have these instagram lives sometimes and uh, like people recommend episodes on there and like because we're you know live talking to them like we're talking to the audience like we're talking to you guys obviously you know because it's an instagram live kind of situation so like you guys give us some good feedback and you guys give us some good ideas and we're like okay maybe we'll do that next episode kind of thing so someone recommended it in the instagram live and we are doing their recommendation so we're i mean i guess we're not going to spoil the names on this episode but uh, yeah. no, no, it Instagram will remain a, su a surprise. It is a surprise. <laughs> um, next up, 
we're talking about integrals and oh, the fundamental theorem of calculus actually relates uh, differential calculus and integral calculus all together Very in beautiful. one package. Mm -hmm. And there, there are actually two fundamental theorems. I think we'll only talk about one of them because the other one is more like useful for computations, which podcasts, so we're not going to do that. <laughs> not going to get into um, But one of the versions or one parts one of the parts of the fundamental theorem of calculus is that the integral of the derivative of a function is equal to the function itself what does that tell us okay well this tells us that if you take a function differentiate it and integrate it, you get the same function back. And so why is this important? This tells us a lot about how to compute an integral, right? It, let's say we have the integral of a function and you want to say, okay, equals to, well, what? Okay. As soon as you look at the function that's inside, it's called the integrand. As soon as you look at the integrand, you need to think of that integrand as the derivative of some other function. Because if you can figure out what that other function is, then boom, that's mm -hmm. your answer, right? Also though, plus C. Yeah. I forgot that, about the plus C. But like, no, no C. not there's no plus C. Well, there in, is uh, a I mean, there is a plus C. Not not in not in that part of the of the fundamental. Because I'm is just there? thinking Think about oh. this. Oh, yeah. X squared. Is. You differentiate oh, yeah, you're right. 2x. You integrate it. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. X you're squared right. plus c, right? It would have a yeah, plus yeah. c. Yeah, so you're right. there would be a plus That's c true. component. So I guess there's some, because again, I mean, again, this plus c, if you already have some value that you're evaluating this at or something, like it would simply be that initial starting point. But if you don't have anything, this still gives you a very good idea of what the function actually is that you're trying to solve for. And that's what's important because you're trying to solve for f of x here. Like, so I'll or, actually or explain, whatever the function is. I'll actually explain what the plus C is because Ray, I'll just. Oh, I guess I guess I didn't even. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. So, yeah, maybe you want to do that. Uh, this is uh, actually something that um, calculus first year calculus students forget all the time, and it's that when you find the antiderivative of a function, the most general form is actually um, like plus a constant. And this is actually pretty interesting when you think about it, and I will help you think about it right now. So I'm when sure. you take the derivative of a function, okay, we all know that the rate of change of a constant is zero, right? So if I take the derivative of x plus 2, the rate of change is going to be 1. And if I take the derivative of x plus a million, the rate of change is still going to be 1. Okay, which means if I if you give me the derivative of a function and you say integrate this function or give me the antiderivative, the thing is there is not one single antiderivative for one derivative. It's actually a family of functions which can differ by a constant. Okay, so for example, if you tell me, okay, what is the antiderivative of one? which is the example I just gave you, I can't just say it's x, right? Because if you differentiate x, you get 1. That is true. But as I just said, 
if you do x plus any other constant, it will give you the same derivative. So that is why we put plus c, because <clears throat> the antiderivative of 1 is x plus any other constant. And this is obviously true in the general case for any function you pick. The antiderivative is just a family of functions that all differ by a constant. So the general case, you will have to just do plus a constant c. Mm -hmm. And these and these integrals are like these families of functions is kind of interesting because when you integrate, you get this family, but when you differentiate, you get this one number. And it's also important to note uh, to to note that this is like the indefinite integral because like we I guess we I mean because we were talking about integration like it represents something. So when we're talking about integration like integrating from some interval like some open to open or something like that any interval basically we're talking about a physical meaning we're talking about the area under this graph if the that's what we're area. doing right yeah so like they were talking about something physical but when we're talking about the indefinite integral we're no longer necessarily talking about something physical we're now talking about something a lot more mathematical like we have some curve and if we want to know the area under any any possible interval we get this indefinite version that we can just plug in values into right so we basically mm -hmm. have this idea of indefinite integral where it returns a function which is kind of different from our original notion of what the integral is which is an area under a curve which represents the area and not necessarily just the function so it's it's That's interesting right. And so some of the integration rules are very easy. Others are very hard. Mm -hmm. uh, some are just impossible <laughs> uh, to do. Well, uh, I should be more specific. They're not literally impossible to find like an, uh, an answer for the antiderivative. But with like easy integration like tips and tricks, you know, you can't solve it. For example, the Gaussian integral. You can't just do like a, like a substitution or do an integration by parts. None of that works. You actually have to do, isn't it? Uh, you have to do like an infinite sum, right? Um, Is, with the Gaussian integral, I believe yeah. it was a or, Wikipedia page that I looked at. And well, I do not remember it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, I actually know of one really clever way, which I might give like two minutes to explain. If you actually call like the Gaussian integral I, and then what you do is you multiply it by itself, but you use a different integration, con uh, like, like variable of integration. So now your first integral is with X. And just for the listeners, the Gaussian integral is the integral from minus infinity to infinity of E to minus X squared dx and um, essentially what you do is you have your first Gaussian with respect to x your second Gaussian with respect to y but because we know that these converge this is just equal to the integral squared because you just multiply it by itself you do know that we have there's so many things that you just said I'm just no I'm explaining it to you like, okay you, okay you're you explaining it to me okay okay well I mean that's in, okay I don't know so why you're explaining you this to me but x okay and y. okay but yeah as you know, as we learned, Fubini's theorem, Ooh. right? 
Now you can turn this into a multivariable integral, switch to polar coordinates, <laughs> and you can actually solve it. And it gives you, it gives you, I mean, obviously it gives you the right answer, but all I'm saying is that that's one way to solve it. Yo, what just happened? <laughs> it went from it went from talking about integrals. You know, but at least tell me, at least double tell me integrals, then Fubini's theorem, saying. then switch them, then polar coordinates, and then computation. Yeah, but at least tell me you understand. No, obviously, yeah, no, no, I I understand that method. Yeah, we did it in class. It's a really cool method and way to solve the Gaussian no, integral we, we, we simply by switching the. By switching the order of operation, like the order of integration. But we did a different example. Yeah, I mean, but we, no, but we, I mean, we did something very similar. But like, I understand your, I mean, the, the idea that you're following is very similar in the sense that we basically swap the integrals. And again, this is more multivariable integrals. Something we very specifically said we would not. No, but this is just especially in interesting because you're solving a single variable integral that cannot be mm -hmm. solved that is like, an interesting point to pull out of that though for sure yeah that, that you can't do it with one integral you would need a multivariable situation yeah so to you, be you able turn to it into a multivariable which is much easier you know unintuitive unintuitively easier to solve um yeah something like that anyways non-intuitive here's the kicker though here's the kicker i know everybody in the chat right now we're not live, but I'm, I'm saying as in the metaphorical chat right now, wants to know more about integration, mm -hmm. wants to know more do. about the beautiful world of calculus. But where do you go to actually learn and put your skills to practice on the spot? That's brilliant, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, brilliant.org slash mpp um they have incredible math courses what can i say what more can i say they right do. they have you know especially today we're talking about uh integral calculus they have a course where if you know nothing about math or you don't remember anything about math you can even start from the basics the math fundamentals work your way up to algebra pre-calc or functions pre-calc and integral calculus, multivariable calculus, it's all there. Mm -hmm. It's all there. And uh, it's amazing. The tools are great. The interactive in activities, they really help you just take in the content and hammer the ideas into your head. Again, a big reason we endorse it is because it's also so good. And it's kind of what we, um, what we keep telling people. You know, the one thing, especially with math, I guess physics, this also does apply, but especially with math, practice, practice, practice. And that's, sure. that's, that's one of Brilliant's big mottos, especially with the math, uh, with the math section. They have so many practice routines where you basically kind of, you kind of force your brain to learn it in a way that's kind of satisfying, that leaves you satisfied at least. So it's really nice because again, uh, Parker and I have used some of the courses. So it's actually, it's a, it's a really interesting, uh, it's a really interesting thing to see the way they do it versus, you know, different platforms. So definitely go check it out. The first 200 people to sign up with a link in the description below, uh, which is brilliant.org slash MPP, or as I said, in the description below. First 200 people get 20% off. Take that. 20% off 
their premium membership off that's that's pretty amazing so go go smash that link and uh go go check it out you can just go check it out see if you like it for sure and you know the best part i think this is kind of like (laughs) dragging on the the ad but it's okay (laughs) because it's it's interesting um the best part is that um there's no like pressure of like exams quizzes you just learn when you're interested Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i think that like for us obviously we have exams and quizzes but we just do it because we learn a lot in the process but obviously if that's not your career you're just interested you can still learn the things that are in the field right you can still see how interesting math and physics really is and uh yeah of course resources are all over the internet and um brilliant is just a great one Mm -hmm. but returning to to uh our main topic of the evening um i guess we can (laughs) get into multivariable i knew it i I, I wanted that i wanted that i wanted that moment so here uh we have us uh dipping our toe into the multivariable integral but before that before that though i i did think about something that maybe we can talk about because i mentioned it and i just think it's important because it, it does have something to do with integrals and it's also i guess a little important i was just thinking about this mainly because i, th- I guess just I just say it already I'm just say it. i'm just gonna say it. <laughs> oh my god the probability density function oops my mic just well, that was weird. Sorry. The probability density function. So the probability density function, which can be a single variable or a multivariable function, is basically a function that takes in a bunch of parameters and it tells you the probability of certain combinations of those parameters. So if let's say like you had two coins and you're like, what's the probability I get one head? It'll map to some point. I have 10 coins. What's the probability I get three heads, seven tails? It'll map to another point. So a pro- this probability density, I mean, obviously this is a very simple example, a discrete example because they're discrete values and it's not continuous. Very simple example, but obviously, as I said, it, it, I mean, it can get a lot more complicated. So the idea is you have these variables and you have this function that represents the probability. Now, why is it so important? And what does it have to do with integrals? Because a very important property of probability density functions. And again, this appears a lot in statistics and I'm in statistics and Parker nerd. always hates that. Parker always hates that. <laughs> this guy's a nerd. For some reason, I don't know why you hate statistics. It's amazing. But anyway, so it comes up a lot in statistics and it also comes up a lot in quantum mechanics, right? So a very interesting thing about the probability density function is that the total area is one, which makes sense. Because the sum of all possible probabilities should be one, right? Like this is 20%, 30%, 40%. Like they should all add up to 100%, which is one. So that kind of makes intuitive sense. And But what does that mean? That area is basically the integral, right? So if I want to know probabilities of certain events happening, I would have to integrate over certain variables. And now we've actually uh, seen recently and also not so recently uh applications of this probability density function for example in quantum mechanics Mm -hmm. obviously 
there's the for example the the position probability density you're asking the question uh what is the probability that your electron is sitting between these two distances from the nucleus for example um and an interesting thing about that is you realize that the probability for an electron to be at one distance is zero because exactly. you're integrating on over one single point mm -hmm. right and the area under a single point is obviously zero. I mean, I, I so, mean, it's not zero. It just doesn't make any sense. It's, it's not exactly. It just, it no, it is doesn't. zero. It is zero. Is it zero? Or, uh, yeah, no, because yeah, I thought it's that it's just like no, undefined. See, this is actually the this is actually the uh, fundamental theorem part two that we skipped. Is that if you do have a definite integral that's being integrated between two bounds, <laughs> you just plug in the two bounds. You do final minus initial of that antiderivative and so if you're integrating over a single point you're integrating let's say from zero so to just zero f of something minus you're going to just plug in f of zero okay minus i guess i didn't think zero. about it yeah i guess and that's so the answer is okay. actually just zero you're right i guess that's um another application is that we saw this in thermodynamics while talking about maxwell speed distribution <laughs> of for example particles in an ideal gas it's this like bell curve kind of shape that you get. And yeah, that's interesting also in the same way because the probability that you find an oxygen particle moving at a single speed is zero. Mm -hmm. You have to be looking at intervals of speeds. Mm -hmm. You can actually um, like get very small with your, your interval if you want to be quite specific but obviously um should we talk about uncertainty or i don't know uh, if we need to get into uncertainty no. because that doesn't okay. have ah uh, i mean not no, necessarily i think i think that would be going the extra mile but i did want to add something like when you were talking about like probability and quantum mechanics because like and i think we have spoken about this before one of the most fundamental things in quantum mechanics like mathematical features about quantum mechanics is the wave function, right? The quantum wave function, which basically describes the state of all the particles in a particular system. And by itself, it means squat. It means absolutely nothing. But when you square this guy, you get the probability density distribution. And again, that is again where integrals become very, very helpful. If you're trying to find the probability of certain events, of certain states, of 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 this um, of this particle, sorry, of this system to be in certain states, to be in mixtures of certain states, all of this rises from integral calculus, and it's and and it and it assists a lot of the math behind quantum mechanics. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting to see where it can be used. Like one thing that's definitely nice is that when you start doing multivariable calculus, you start seeing it right away in your physics courses you start talking about electric fields which is all you know gradients flux uh surface integrals and all that you also see it in um like uh, classical mechanics and obviously quantum mechanics where you have to start like integrating over over these probability distributions 
Um, and it's, it's, it's awesome, obviously, because you unlock this like door in physics that, that you, you couldn't really talk about before. Imagine your professor starts talking about surface integrals and you're there. I mean, actually, that is actually what happened to us in first year. Um, when we were doing electric fields, um, like Gauss's law and things like that. And then our professor... Oh, brought up um, surface integrals? I remember when you well, wrote yeah, that. Well, yeah, he was talking board. about surface integrals around like the point charge and all that oh, stuff. Oh, I remember that. But he did tell us, like, I, I remember actually one time, um, this was like after the lecture, I went up to like the front and I asked him, I'm like, what's that like squiggly line with the circle through it? And he's like, oh, that's actually like a closed integral over the surface. I'm like, oh. I That's have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue what those words mean, but uh, thank you. But he, no, he, he did say like, okay, just for, like, don't even yeah. worry about that. At that, that time, because... we simply needed to know what that integral equaled. Like we didn't really know how that integral worked. Yeah. But we actually, now, look the at reason where we why, are. We're big boys The reason now. why we actually were able to just ignore the surface integral aspect is because in first year electrostatics or whatever, you only deal with um, like highly symmetrical problems, mm -hmm. which means that the the surface or in a, like most cases when you're going to use Gauss's law, the the um, electric field about like your surface is going to be the same at that. For example, if you have a point charge and a Gaussian sphere. Uh, the electric field is going to be the same at like a, di a distance r all around the charge. And so you can literally factor that out of the integral and just multiply it by the surface area. But obviously, uh, second year and beyond, you start seeing not so symmetrical things where you actually have to do the surface integral and etc. Mm -hmm. There's some, I mean, as, as I was bringing it up, some very useful aspects of these integrals. And are we are we trying to get into multivariable or just a little bit of the uh, added dimension? I don't I don't know to be like I feel like we this would be better if we what keeps did a whole episode mind? if we did a whole episode on like first we talk about like visualizing um, like graphs from R two to R like what the graph would look like also vector fields. Also, things like, well, now we, we already talked about integrals, so we can talk about line integrals. Mm -hmm. things no, like because that. in in higher dimensions, like there are a lot of properties of integrals that, you know, can be discussed and very like interesting things, you know, with the par like with the parametrizations, for example, of, of certain boundaries, you can integrate like a whole very complicated surface and stuff like that. Like anyways, that might have been very complicated words to someone who hasn't heard those set of words before but yeah like there's some really cool things that we can do with multivariable integrals i think we can we can even just talk about multivariable um like setups essentially like we can talk about like just parametrizations on on their own and talk about shapes i think How the first like thing we should talk about shapes? and i don't know why i just think this is this is important but it's also and we can talk about its disadvantages it's something called the Jordan measure, right? 
Now, the Jordan measure is an important, is a very important metric to classify if a certain surface, a certain curve, a certain whatever you're trying to integrate in the scenario is integrable, right? Because there can be surfaces that are non-Jordan measurable, right? Now, that, again, might make no sense because I haven't explained what Jordan measurable means. But there can be some surfaces that just cannot be measured. And, 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 and you know what? Let me just explain what it is because, I, I, I mean, I just repeated myself without explaining it whatsoever. So let me explain what Jordan measure is. In the simplest way possible, it's basically asking you, can I find the volume of the surface? That's basically what it's asking. Volume, of course, is being generalized to length, yeah. area, and volume, and four-dimensional. Depends on the dimension. When I say volume, exactly. So if we're dealing with two dimensions, I mean area. If we're dealing with three, I mean volume. If we're dealing with more, I don't know what it's called, but it's basically just multiplying all of their components. So I'm basically talking about that net. Again, I can't say volume, but like that that net thing under. Well, yeah, that's what it's called, though. Volume. I mean, technically, it is called volume, even in higher dimensions. So I guess yeah. we can just generalize it to volume. But yeah. So the idea of Jordan measurability is to classify, hey, is this set integrable or not? So that means, can I measure? Measurable. Sorry? Not integrable. Measurable. Measurable, yeah. So is this set measurable or not? It's basically a question of, and but that will tell us if it's measurable or not, the fact or the state of its integrability. Can the surface be integrable will be determined That doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, functions are integrable, not surfaces. Well, I guess, okay, I mean like the function on the surface is what I'm trying to say because there's a certain surface yeah. and if it's simply not Jordan measurable, you cannot integrate over that surface. Obviously, you're not integrating the surface itself. I mean like function along the surface. Hmm. You're having a quick thought. No, I feel like that's not true. I feel like they're... Um... This might be totally wrong, but I think I remember um, our instructor saying that even if a set is not Jordan measurable, doesn't mean you can't integrate over it. Yeah, actually, that is true. That is 100% true. And let me give you a counterexample. If you have uh, the set, it, it's, I'm sure you'll remember it. We talked about like some intersection with the rational numbers. Like it was some rectangle being intersection with the rational numbers. And the function was, um, yeah, no, okay. I, it, the, the actual, the actual example is, 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 uh, eluding me. Is that a word? Wow, you just came closer to your mic and your audio oh, sounds so much better. Oh, is that super loud? No, 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 no. Oh. It's better. It's better. Your audio is oh, better. Oh, it's better? It was so, oh, like, I just noticed because you were sitting back the whole time and you just came in oh, front. Oh, damn. <laughs> it sounds so much better now. Okay. Anyways. Well, that sucks. <laughs> but yeah, I will um, I will try to find it and uh, let you know. Yeah, I'm also actually trying to actively find it right now because, because see, let me explain. If, a set is Jordan measurable, then its indicator function is integrable, which would mean that the function can be integrated over that set. That is, no, that is not true because a function can be non-integrable regardless of the set. The set doesn't say anything right. about the integrability of the function. 
Then what am I talking about? Wait, hold I on. don't know. I don't <laughs> know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, because I'm talking about because there are certain surfaces that have like when you're talking about the Jordan measurability of a set, right? So if if I say a set is Jordan measurable, what does that help me with integrability? To be honest, uh, I'm just like not even I'm like because right now my brain is focused on like the modules we're on right now, so I don't I don't remember. Yeah, this but, is a uh, module that we did a few months ago, but again, we should know this, man. We should know this. Yeah. Whatever. Like I'm just thinking. It is to be honest, it is what it okay, is. Okay, so okay, so okay, so listen to this. So I think I was right. If S is Jordan measurable, and the set of discontinuities of F on S has zero Jordan measure, and I'm going to explain that in a second. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. <laughs> then F is integrable on S. So, for a function to be Let's integrable see, on a on. surface... Hold on, hold on, hold on. That doesn't mean that if S is not Jordan measurable, F is not integrable. Because it's no, no, not no, F is not integrable over that set. No, but that doesn't... like. You know, you're saying if F is if if S is Jordan measurable, blah blah blah, then F is integrable. But that doesn't say anything about the other way around. No, I know like, that. I know the I know I know the direction of the if then. I know, but you were saying that that if S is not Jordan measurable, then you can't integrate. So so the so what you're saying is we can integrate a function on a non-Jordan measurable set? I think there is a counterexample. You think there to is that. I think there is. Yeah, it has to do with upper and lower sums. To my understanding, and again, we did do this a few months ago, but this shouldn't be an excuse because we just did it a few Wait, months ago. How did we not even talk about upper and lower sums? <laughs> yeah, we went this podcast. whole podcast without talking about upper and lower sums. We spoke about infimums and supremums, yeah. but we didn't talk about upper and lower sums. No, I, I, I remember why. It's because I was going to talk about partitions and then you cut me off and then started talking about what the actual integral was. Oops. And then we never got back to it. Uh, okay, anyways. We can uh, we can always like make another episode or whatever. Yeah, so I guess... I guess it's not real. Okay, so again, I'm we're again tr simply trying to find the set where it simply states that example yeah. where a set is not Jordan measurable, but you can Anyways. integrate a function on it. So uh, I think again, it I might think exist. This, I think we 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 have gone off the rails. Yes, now, we have gone very much off the, the rails. So again, so I I did mention something that I did say I would come back to when I said zero Jordan measure. And I said, I will explain it. Don't worry. Don't go anywhere. So okay. zero Jordan I we'll, measure. I think we'll end the podcast after that. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Because again, we have gone a little bit off, off topic. But it's interesting because we're talking about multivariable in this case. So it's a very interesting notion. So zero Jordan measure. Things, there's a lot of things that we didn't talk about, which kind of bothers me because we're just talking about like Jordan measure for no reason, you know? No, but I, I think Jordan measure would be important simply to understand like the sets that we can integrate over in two and three and four dimensions. Because in higher dimensions, you're because in a single variable case, you simply have X and Y and you can draw out a function and boom, you can integrate over this interval. But in three and four and five dimensions, that's not necessarily the case. There are certain surfaces over which you simply cannot integrate. So I just thought that since we're talking a little bit about multivariable calculus, but that's also maybe I introduce in these services. That's also true in one dimension, because you don't just need it. Uh, you don't just have intervals, right? You can have 
<clears throat> like a set of you can have a set, a set of points, but but I think you can agree that the set of points get a lot more complicated when you talk about higher dimensions. Well, you... it does, yeah, it does. But the no, my issue is that we're we're gonna talk about like zero Jordan measure, and then it's like okay, <laughs> what now? We have another like hour of stuff to cover for that to be like useful. I guess that's. I mean. That's so okay. Okay, I guess I guess we don't have to necessarily complete this Jordan measure talk, but we will be I mean, talking about. You can about say it. You, you, I mean, you could fi- like finish. Like, no, but I'm saying if we're anyways going to have like a multivariable calculus episode, then maybe we can just talk about it there because it would yeah. be more apt on that on an episode of that caliber. So maybe we don't have to talk about that here because we did talk about single variable to a very good extent. I think we spoke about you know where it's useful in real life. Like what it means to integrate a function in definite, definite integrals. We spoke about, you know, how integrals work, partitions, rectangles, for sure, infimums. For sure. I think I think we covered we covered good ground today on integrals. So yeah. If you uh enjoyed this episode mm-hmm. on integration. For sure. Um go and follow if you're not following the podcast already. And also uh, come watch us on YouTube because we are we are here we are live, not live but in person. <laughs> you can see our faces on YouTube. Yep. Um, follow us on Instagram, also TikTok maybe. Oh, okay. So podcast. think about TikTok. Quick, quick news about TikTok, right? So like, we mentioned a few episodes ago. This is like a good ten episodes ago, maybe. No, maybe less. No, less less than ten for sure. Where we're like we're gonna continue doing TikToks. And then we never continue to do any TikToks. But I can't, I'm not going to make any promises. But I'm going to say maybe. (laughs) We're going to have some TikToks coming out. Okay. Maybe. Great. Maybe. But like, it's it's good because, because now we actually have a good idea of what we're looking for in the TikToks. Like we have, okay, we're only looking for two TikToks a week, like three parts, like per clip kind of situation. And then, sure. like, if you guys like that, you guys can, you know, view the full clip on YouTube or Instagram or whatever. Sure. So, like, that's the whole idea of it. So, let's see how that works. All right. So, um, yeah, this has been episode number 55 yeah. of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray. And we will see you soon. Bye, guys. <laughs>